Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Well, happy Tuesday, 27th of February, 2024. Welcome to Elijah Streams. Uh, we are in year 26 and almost year 27 to bring you the voice of the prophets. And we're going to have uh, today's our, will be our prophets and patriots uh, segment or episode with Dr. Jan Halper Hayes. It's going to be great. She's always a total fan favorite, including my fan favorite one. So it's going to be fun to talk about all things related to everything we're all going through. So it's going to be fun. Uh, let's see, before we bring on Dr. Jan, let's go ahead and run a spot about the wells that you are helping us dig in Uganda in a total of about 12 countries now. So here we go with that. He knows the plans he has for them. He hears their cries. He longs that they have a cup of cold, refreshing water because water refreshes a weary soul. It's like a message of good news. Through every clean water well provided, we share and demonstrate the good news of Jesus. And it's all because of your generosity. Together, we are revealing the love of our Father to those who are truly hungry and thirsty. But there's many more people in desperate need. Give the gift of clean water today. Donate online at ElijahStreams.com slash donate or mail a check today to Elijah Streams, 525 2nd Avenue Southwest, Suite 629, Albany, Oregon, 97321. Now, as of uh, yesterday, we announced that uh, we're going from uh, one well every three days we went to, we're now going to do 15 wells a month. In other words, every other day, another well will be completed that we do this, uh, that we're doing there, especially in Uganda, but uh, 12 or 13 other countries. Uh, we just got back from Uganda and this struggle is so real, so very real. And so that when we did the well dedication we did, it was about an hour and a half away from the base, maybe somewhere, maybe hour and a quarter away. It's a long drive up to some of the poorest parts of of Uganda and city officials and district, what do they had one called? I can't remember the name, but they're like mayors and county supervisors in our terminology. These are dignitaries from the local communities, even though they're just as poor as we could imagine with the very kind of uh, houses that, that you saw in this video. Uh, they still have their uh, chain of command or the dignitaries that, that run those communities. So, uh, and when we went, when they dedicated that well, every one of them showed up. So it had seven or eight people that were dignitaries who wanted to speak um, because this is such a big deal. It was one particular well. So uh, it's just really neat that you are all helping us do that. We're very grateful, but more than that, God's grateful and they are grateful. So I'll, I'll tell you one other bit of information. And that was, I had told, Mike and Laurie, I said, if there's areas, because there's areas where they put many, many wells in, but even so, you have to drive quite a long time in between those. So it'll be very, very, very easy to put in more needed wells all over the place where we already have wells, but in between those areas so that nobody's doubling up. And I, you know, and I talked about having them 
do that and and they met with the staff and the staff said no there's so many poor people out there that need this water so they didn't want us to double up in the region that they're in they wanted us to go out and about and help their brothers and sisters in the poorest of the poor areas so we're really trying to do it right and and their own people are helping us make that decision so very good thank you so much for your help all right time to bring in dr jan helper hey so here's jan Dr. Jen, welcome back. It's so good to see you again. I always miss you when you're not with us. It's so nice to be back. I just am always so relaxed because you're so good about bringing out what people need to hear that I want to be able to convey to them. So thank you for having me back. Well, thanks for coming. And, you know, along that line, we were just talking off the air, and I didn't say this part, and then I'm going to say the part we were talking about. I have a life sort of observation that what people choose to do either with hobbies or their vocation, what, what life work that they, uh, illustrates who they are as a person, who they're called to be by God. So for instance, you at five foot one inches tall have been a champion raise, uh, uh, lift, weightlifter. Powerlifter. We're, we're, really, we're very specific about okay. that Just like bodybuilders we say weights keep you humble a mirror doesn't <laughs> okay well that's good we'll talk about i i asked you to be off the air i said can we tell the people about that because we said something months ago but tell the people that uh what little tiny i mean five one is little tiny in anyone's uh eyes how did you and, and talk about the weight class that you uh, or what kind of power lifting you were able to do yes. Well, how I got into it was I always wanted to be athletic. And um, my father, when I was in my senior year in high school, while I was out running track, he never showed up. He came, he yelled at me, and he took me home. He did not want me to be athletic. Whoa. Okay, so... My very, very best friend of now 42 years, but this was numerous years ago because I was in my late 20s. Um, every year we would go over what we each accomplished, what we wanted to accomplish the next year. And then we'd look each other in the eye and tell each other what their worst quality of the year was. And she said to me, if you don't get over being angry at your father for preventing you from being athletic, you are going to turn into a bitter old woman. And I said, that's interesting because the guy at the gym last week told me I should think about competing in this sport that I had no idea existed because he said, you're really strong. And I said to him, well, thank you. He goes, no, you're really, really strong. And I said, well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but I, I then, uh, he told me this magazine to get. Uh, so I went, I was in San Francisco and in North Beach, that's where all kind of like the strip places were and bars. But so that's where I could find this magazine. But it said that November 1st and 2nd, in Salt Lake City, Utah, was going to be the National Powerlifting Championships. So I called up 
the uh, sponsors of it. And they said, how much do you weigh? And I said, I'm about between 104 and 107. That Well, you'll compete in the 105 pound, the 48 kilo weight class. So why don't you come down early Saturday morning? So I flew from San Francisco to Salt Lake City because I needed to assess my future competition <laughs> if I were going to get into this at all. And so uh, they were so nice that they ended up giving me an official capacity where I got to run numbers back to the warm-up room and I got to sit next to one of the judges who would explain to me when they'd call it a good lift or a bad lift or, you know, they moved their toe or something like that. And I got back to San Francisco and I started hesitantly calling around. I want to be a power lifter. Do you do it? And this gym at the time was south of market and no one really went south of market. Really? I was going to go there and the rest, I got a trainer and in the first five, five months of training, I took second in the state of California. The next year I took first in the state, but the only reason I took first was that potential competition that I had discovered. She went up a weight class, but the third year I not only took first, but I qualified for the nationals because finally my lifts were of the numbers that would allow me to do that. And so I competed in the nationals and I was ranked 13th in the U.S. in my weight class. My goodness. One of the reasons I loved it was because it was basically the three hours each week because I would get have a trainer for at least an hour or more that I didn't have to think for myself that someone was telling me what to do and had the plan which took stress off that yeah. I could just focus on the doing but the other thing that I absolutely loved about weightlifting is that it is a reflection a psychological reflection of where your head is at because really? some days that same weight that I could just lift with ease, I would be grunting to lift it because my head was in a different place. It might've been weighed down with stress or a client issue or, or it didn't matter, but it was a wonderful mirror to the soul. Yeah, what a life lesson too, because that, that would be true in probably every one of our lives, right? Whatever's weighing us down is yes. preventing us from from the power lifting of life, I guess, if we want to be a, a full exactly. metaphor. Exactly. And we need that kind of feedback in different ways. So, yeah. So did you get over your anger towards your father? At oh, that, yes. after your After your friend said that, did you just go, oh, I didn't realize and, you, and it was over? Or did you? Did oh, take no, I, I very much realized it. And, and then I, I spent a weekend after... I had decided to do this with my folks and my father, well, you're not being athletic, are you? I did, a, <laughs> I did a terrible thing. I rolled up my sleeve and I flexed for him and I said, you better believe I am. <laughs> it wasn't but, terrible for us, but it was terrible for him. Huh? It, for some odd reason, but it, it's, 
that somehow I, what was wrong with girls being athletic? Um, you could dance, I could do ballet, you know, those things were acceptable, but I couldn't run track. I couldn't, but I loved doing those things. Well, you know, I can relate to that because that was, my father was very much the same way in different things, but we were never allowed to play what they call intramural. They probably still call it that in high school. No, Mm -hmm. we were not going to do any competitive sports at all. And uh, so I think I could have been much, much more athletic. He would stay home and watch the football games and the baseball games, but he wouldn't let us play in them. Go figure, you know. And I I had the opportunity as well as to be angry at him. There are six of us kids, and I literally was his least favored. Um, And I had the opportunity to almost despise him for how he treated me because he, mm-hmm. he treated me badly in front of the others. But over time, God convicted me that the way I was going to get further in life was to walk in forgiveness. And so I applied myself to this day. I did. He died and is with the Lord 32 years ago now, mm-hmm. 33 years ago. But I had to get over any unforgiveness. And that has, I kind of look at that just like what you said. It helped me be successful in life. Like getting yes. the, the hatred or the anger or well, when I flexed my muscle for him, um, it was also allowed me to make a stand that whatever reason he didn't want me to be that way, it has become an important thing in my life of just pure physical expression. And then I was able to ask him to understand. I said, you don't have to accept it. You don't have to approve. You don't even have to like it. You can still think that I'm being unfeminine. I just would like you to know why I'm doing it. And it was more important for me to be able to say that because that dissipated the bitterness. Why, in a nutshell, what was your why? Why you're doing it, if you were to tell the viewers, what why? Well, I could have either kept my mouth shut and held in this bitterness or when i saw him and he made you know sort of his snide comments and not responding then i would walk away not happy with myself and still not happy with him and so my feeling was that uh what i said to him was that the way you see it is one way And the way I see it is another way. And that's okay. I just think it's important we both understand each other. You can tell me why you don't want me being that way. And I want you to hear why I want to physically push myself. That's good. And you never knew until, uh, how did the guy know you were very, very strong? Just because you were going to the gym? Oh, no. I, I... I could always lift things. I always lifted things for people. It, it just was there. I, wow. you know, I, I, it, it just, I just did it. And I remember once um, there, there was like this heavy sculpture where I was working. I had this part-time job while I was in, in university and someone couldn't lift it. I said, Oh, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't think twice about it. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. Well, that's so interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, and I would just say that 
I started to say this at the beginning that what what people choose either in their spare time like this or or you, you became very very serious about it's a picture of who you are even in what we're about to talk about you wanted to apply yourself and do something that very few people in your class of people can do and that's kind of the way I see you you're kind of like the expert of experts in this all things Trump or um, what I don't know what what kind of category would we put in what you do because your psychology your it, your it's it's heavy but, lifting in in trying to encourage people what what would you say well for years I, I was an advisor and consultant and uh, figured out how to solve things or help yeah. people be the best that they could be in accomplishing things and fortunately enough my role on the task force has evolved because what happened was about six weeks ago i was really struggling i couldn't understand why the animosity on social media was growing Mm. And then why I was receiving DMs, people wanted to give up. They didn't see any progress. You know, it just, the whole mood, the whole take on things was bringing people down. And so we, we have uh, meetings about every 10 days. And I said to my team members and my two bosses, I need to rant. I just need to rant. I I'm holding all these thoughts in me. I haven't yet been able to make sense. I see these things going on. So let me just get it all out. And I need your help in helping me put it together or the direction that we're all going in or not going in or anything yeah. like that. And what came out of it, which I'm slowly evolving in my new assignment, is that. I'm being asked to find ways to educate the public of how, in fact, our soul was deprived and taken from us by everyday life, by the messages, by the laws, by the TV shows, all of that, the cultural norms, the cultural expectations. So I can't fully get it all out yet because. I've started to put this together, but I have been asked to go from analysis, diagnosing, to helping people get a strong sense of themselves back. It's like now you're, they're asking you to prescribe? Not help. prescribe, not prescribe. So right. one of the things that, that I want to talk about today yeah. is that, um, Howard Gardner, he's come up in recent years with more, but he's a professor from Harvard. And he has a fabulous book called Frames of the Mind that there are seven types of intelligence. Hmm. And the most important ones that I want have always focused on with people is the intrapersonal, the ability to understand yourself. Yeah. And the interpersonal, the ability to understand other people. The other ones are mathematical, musical, spatial, so like surgeons, 
kinesthetic. So we're talking about athletes um, and linguistic. Um, so though, and the important thing for me to get across to people is that you already have the intelligence, you already see these things, you already understand these things, and maybe you can't articulate it. Just like I needed a rant and I needed feedback to help clarify. So what I want to be able to do is confirm in people, you already have the intelligence, you're probably seeing a lot of this, but if I explain it or put it in context or give examples, maybe that is going to give people that aha moment. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Which is what I want them to have, because then that means, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I got it. And they've had lots of aha moments from 1871 and he's, you know, CIC and, you know, all of that on the intellectual side. But the strength to be able to endure what's coming can only happen if we depend on ourselves and use and use our ability to understand ourselves and our ability to understand other people. Why do the Democrats, why do they always think they're analyzing us? And, you know, they go through their, you know, their great criticisms and what it turns out to be is a projection because they don't look at themselves at all, but they're telling us about themselves. And that's what a projection most often is. What do you, uh, now you just said something that I wanted to key in on is you said, basically you talked about the the need to prepare and, and then the, here's where the quote starts to endure what's coming close quotes okay what does that mean to endure what's coming know how we've heard for quite some time it's going to get worse before it gets better yeah but keep thinking we already did that <laughs> apparently not no oh, no shoot. well and then and then you have murphy's law what can possibly go wrong, will go wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's just life. Um, but the thing is that first I I can't Steve, I can't say this definitively because even no one, even though I've asked people on the task force to do enough research and confirm, um, what we do know factually is that the number of paid shills are increasing really yes now i translate that as because i often tell people the way that you trust yourself is you need to listen to yourself but also people are messengers from god and when you don't get it god keeps sending you those different people with the same message yeah i don't know much about the evil side, but my suspicions is that Satan and all of Satan's Satan's representatives yeah. are infecting even greater into the evil. Because why would someone who claims to be in the patriot movement go after someone else? 
and do character assassination. You know, it's okay if you want to criticize ideas or what, you know, that's fine. But why is the idea to try to destroy someone so strong? Part of that comes from people not being happy with themselves. That's really interesting. Well, you know, I really frequent the Patriot Channel, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Some may or may not, depending if they're just sitting back waiting for this thing to be solved. They may not even be in touch with that, but there's some big old fights going on out there, like exactly what you're saying, patriots putting down other patriots. And the frustrating thing for me, Dr. Jan, is that I'll see this guy, and I, I like Lynn Wood. I like him. But he'll have, these are bad, these are bad, these are bad. And then all of a sudden, he'll say someone's bad that I thought, wait a minute, I thought they were good. Then you look at uh, someone else who you trust, and they'll say, this is, this is bad, this is bad. Uh, and then they'll say, but this person's good. And I'm thinking, wait, that's what, this guy just said this person's bad. And it gets confusing because everyone that I trust to the last person has something significantly against someone that I thought I trusted. Do you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And, And what I want to really encourage people is to not worry about trusting certain people that are speaking, Okay. but trusting the content and the context of it. Okay. And more importantly is that there will be moments that you'll say to yourself, well, that doesn't feel right to me. Um, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that point. But the only way that agreement comes is that you've already got a lot of knowledge already in your head, in your yeah. experience, in your research, in everything that you have done to get to this point. That's good. So I, because when, when during the holidays, and then I, I did some public speaking, and people were saying, Do you trust so and so? Do you? I don't worry about whether I trust them because That's you can either kill the messenger or you can listen to the message and decide there might be a kernel of it that makes perfect sense to me. So I'm going to do a little research. I'm going to see what other people are sharing about it. And I'm going to eventually come to my own conclusion. Well, I that. saw your notes about that and I didn't understand what you're saying because we were all kind of sort of trained, I think most of us as young kids, you know, to test someone's character, either good fruit, if they produce good fruit. But so then we were trying to identify the good people versus the bad people. But you're saying it's not that black and white. Some no. people who have issues, maybe even really bad character issues, they might have some really helpful information. That's Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes, vice versa? exactly. Yeah. But more importantly, Steve, what you just said should be the criteria when we meet human beings one-to-one. Yeah. We don't have the benefit of being able to read any nonverbal cues when someone speaks. All we're doing is basically reacting to words on a page. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're reading. 
And we would like maybe a hero. We would like to trust because it's not easy hanging in limbo when you know we're in this state of change. But it's a bigger state of change because yesterday is not today and tomorrow is not going to be what happened today. I mean, that's constant change. But it's really important at this point to be so, I guess what I want to tell people is that we've spent a lot of time getting the information of understanding the executive orders, you know, understanding all of that that is external from us. I really want to encourage people that you need to focus on you. You need to focus on your ability to be resilient. You need to focus on your ability to trust your own discernment. You, I'd like to suggest that if you're getting criticism online, because these people haven't seen you, and and uh, I, in fact, I really want to talk about an experience I have of someone I had of someone taking what I said out of context, sure. not yeah. about the person, but it's 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 insightful. But what you need to do is decide. Does that person fit into your reference network? And what I mean by that is that if someone criticizes you, calls you names or whatever, just because they said it doesn't make it so. Yeah. Now, when my best friend said to me, you're going to turn into a bitter old lady if you don't, (laughs) that's my reference network. That's someone I respect. That's someone who gives me the kind of information that is useful, that educates me, that gives me insight. And I would rather people look at the information from that standpoint. I had a conversation with uh, a podcaster who asked me, uh, how do I feel about Ariel? And and I, I said, look, I I don't know because I don't know what is going on behind the scenes. The guy has such concrete information. He does, doesn't he? I wanted to know what you thought about Ariel too. So, but yeah, go go ahead with that. Yeah. He, He gives such concrete information, but given the nature of his information, it tells you this guy is connected. Yeah, it does. Now, Absolutely. what we also don't know with the law of war is that if he's telling you certain people are good and certain people are bad, yeah, is he doing it because he wants you to re-examine and go back? Is he doing it because he wants to see the kind of responses that people have towards that if they reject it if they come up with different takes on it if it gets the discussions going we don't we don't know so you have a a wide scope of what he could what i'll put it this way you have a pretty wide scope of the part he may be playing right because everyone's playing a part and like for instance there's a couple of players I won't have to necessarily mention them by name, 
who say and have been saying for a few months now, there's no help coming, there's no plan, the military is not coming to help. Dig in because if the, if this doesn't get better, it's your fault basically. And then there's other other people that are saying help is absolutely coming. The military is going to step in, and you kind of have to figure out. Are they saying that because they believe it or are they saying it because they want us to get to work or are they saying it for some other reason that they've been told to play that part? What would, what would right. you say about all that? Well, and that's exactly what ends up confusing us. Yeah. So uh, last Friday night, because I have talked about the fiction book that's not really fiction of Double Crossfire by General A.J. Tata. And he has a new book that actually is just launching today. And he was number three at the Department of Defense. So we did a very, very short, uh, maybe 30 minutes X spaces, or I guess I could just say spaces because people know where the spaces are. And, uh, and I had also done a podcast the day before with him and it was with Tom Numbers who was doing the numbers of things. But at the end of both of them, I said, General, you're still in touch with Trump. You were number three at the Department of Defense in charge of policy and planning. You have now started to talk about double crossfire that I never use certain descriptions. The bottom line, he said, what it is, is that a female senator who ran for president and lost hires assassins to kill the Speaker of the House, the vice president, and the president so that she can move into the presidency. Wow, that's kind of descriptive, isn't it? Now, what he added, what he added and never had, because I've done interviews with him when I first, you know, went viral and wanted people to just get the book because it would put them more at ease, is he said, and what they end up discovering is that the president and the vice president are running the government from behind the scenes. Whoa. All right. So, so both Rob Cunningham and I were hosting it. And I said, General, People are feeling discouraged. They're not sure if what they're being told is true. Um, Is there any kind of comfort that you can give to them? Now, I'm not even going to try to paraphrase it, but I'm (laughs) going to give you the essence of it. One, he referred to him as President Trump. Two, he said, hopefully, his third term is going to come. Oh, soon. wow. I love it. I love it. And that, yeah, okay. He talked about you think Trump isn't still fighting every day on our behalf? You bet he is. So I would just encourage people to find the Tom numbers and go to Rob Cunningham um, or to uh, my uh, Biz Shrink on X because we posted the recording of it. You don't have to listen to the whole thing, but get to those last five or 10 minutes because he leveled with us. He told us the things that we needed to hear. Now, That's right. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, okay, I, I probably should pause because that 
was important. Well, it's very, very important. And and so you're saying, and this dude, the general's name again is say that in the name of the book too, so we so okay. people can go. All right. Um A period J period Tata T A T A. He is former Brigadier General Anthony Tata. He writes as AJ Tata. You can find him on uh X. You can he has his own website, AJ Tata, no blanks, dots or anything, dot com. And double crossfire. Double well, crossfire. Uh, the America First community responded to it so strongly. And the only reason that I've become friends with the general is that when I first went viral with because I always included that recommend. If you want some peace, just read. I read it in 2019. In 2019, th- that is when that book came. That's out. when that's when Double Crossfire, Crossfire came out. Came out. So, and he was it, it, with the number three at the DOD and policy hey. and planning and you know. There it is. So, um, so I. What happened was someone forwarded my interview to him and he sent me a LinkedIn to say thank you. And I responded to that message and said, so how are your worldwide sales going? To which he said, they have had to do a reprint. They had to do two reprints of the book because of American First supporters. Now, his new book, The Phalanx Code, and that is uh, the third in a series. What that is focused on is two tech executives, really magnets. One who has a company that is developing software to protect our financial and personal information and let us individually keep control of it. And the other one is in cahoots with the different governments to be able to strip us of any privacy whatsoever. And in that, I ended up saying the other night when we were on with Tom Numbers, I, I don't know if General Tata is a psychic. I don't know if he was ever trained in remote viewing, but all I can say, it is uncanny. This is his 16th book. It takes 18 months for a book to come to market. So that yeah. means at least we'll just give it 28 months ago. The story, the theme was yeah. opted and put together. And each time his book explains and gives you insight into what is going on and the machinations from a military standpoint garrett sinclair who's the protagonist in the book has a very close relationship with the president and actually has a cell phone that is directly connected to the president's cell phone so you get all of that in there, and I, I, I say 
to him and I said, and how explain to people how you know these things because I yeah. know part of it is from your experience, from what you've lived. And he is also very concerned about the common person. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. And he said, um, it. the book starts off with Garrett Sinclair is in jail and has been there for a year and they haven't told him why he's been arrested. And the protagonist from Double Crossfire comes and breaks him out because actually one of the tech magnets convinced the president for Garrett Sinclair to be broken out so that he could work for the tech magnet to really? be able to cure this. So I, I, I said, this is everything that we're living through right now. And he said, yes. And what I want people to understand is that they are trying to put us in a perennial prison, a perennial prison in our minds with political correctness, afraid to speak up. Yeah. And that cannot be. So I, I wrote um, a bit of a summary on my Substack last week. I put it out that one more time we've got truth in fiction from General Tata. I mean, is it possible that someone like him has a, I'm just going to, what do you call that? It's like a security clearance where he literally knows this stuff, but he can't say it, but he can write a, a novel that is it, could it be that kind of thing? Well, yes, that was always how I thought about it. Okay. Until at the end of both these interviews, I put the pointed question to him. Okay. What can you tell? Because I know the people that he's in touch with. I mean, yeah. when we talk offline, um, you know, I just had a conversation with so-and-so. I was just, you know, he can't tell me the details because yeah. we're on the phone lines, but he keeps me up to date on who he's been talking to. And um, he's Trump's talking to him about coming back to the administration. And, and, but when I asked him, this question at the end of both of these, he opened up with such concrete information. Really? To be able, and and he hadn't fully done and that. And is this on that one interview that you're directing people Tom, to? Tom Numbers. The Tom Numbers. And um, uh, on my, on my uh, uh, X feed, you'll see that the recorded from our half hour with him, uh, yeah. you can get the link to that. Yeah. And um, he was even more open publicly than he's ever been with me privately. Well, that speaks to things are ready for him to be allowed to be open, aren't they? It's time for him to become more public. So when he's telling you uh, something about Trump's soon coming third term, he's just blurting it out that Trump has completely been in his second term this whole time as President Trump. Isn't that what you're saying? Without him having to say that. Yeah. Exactly. And and those those were his words. And that's what I wanted people to be able to have were his words so that you can get through whatever is 
people trying to distract you or negate or whatever. Yeah. And uh, because even even before when I read his paperback in 2019, I thought this is exactly what's going to happen. I mean, you you just he's so good on the human nature side of it, the political things of connecting it to what is really going on in the world. So I wanted, I started off saying, if you want peace, if you want an understanding, read Double Crossfire. If you want an understanding of our freedom of speech and what's fighting against us and how they're trying to trap us in a, a, like, a, a non-visual prison read the phalanx code and okay. you will it it just puts you at ease because you're getting information and the best way i describe it is you're getting non-fiction in fiction and yeah. because of his experience and everything that he's bringing to the writing yeah then that is what makes it and, and let me just say this too about you said earlier um you actually use the term you didn't know if he was using remote viewing and that kind of thing i it's easy for me to say god gave this man a prophetic gift where he sees it he doesn't even know he sees it as a christian they wouldn't use that term you wouldn't say remote viewing or psychic you would say wow god's talking to him he probably doesn't even necessarily know it's god he just has these thoughts there as clear as a bell so just so people don't get too upset with that term, sometimes Christians don't like that term. But, you know, yeah. prophetic is prophetic. A revelation from God. Right. Is, and, is, go ahead. And, and let me clarify why I said it that way in the interview. Okay. Was that I don't know if he's psychic because I wanted to negate that. I don't know if he was trained in remote viewing. All I know is that it is uncanny how he brings his own experience, his understanding of human nature, of what is going on in the real world, and he brings that, that it is so current. It is right now providing that clarification that we all need. It's almost to negate the psychic, negate, I don't, I don't believe in this remote viewing stuff, whatever. Yeah, I don't either. And we're, I'm, I'm off put by that particular terminology, but I think the reality of the revelation may well be happening. For instance, I'm, I'm fairly well, well aware of people who have a prophetic gift from God and they're being asked to step into government officials and tell them something. As someone else might say, well, that's remote viewing. A Christian would say, no, that's the prophetic gift. Oh, God, you know, and then so that's that. Well, uh, moving forward. So I like that he said he's talking about Trump being in a third um, term. I had a guy early on right after uh, I haven't put him on the air, but because of a number of reasons. But right after Trump, right after the election was stolen and Trump said we'll be back in some form right around that time. I don't have it written down exactly. He said, Steve, Trump is going to have three terms. And I wasn't ready for him to say that on the air. If it was today, I'd say, come and say that on the air. But right. back then, I said, I don't really want you to say that on the air right now, because it was too risky, I felt at the time. But um, now well, I'm beginning to believe it's really, really, really happening. 
And also, Steve, I would be more inclined to say that your intuition, it was the wrong time for that message to come out. And just as why yeah. didn't Trump, given the yeah. military has the goods, why didn't Trump expose it then? Because the public wasn't ready. More That's things right. needed yeah. to happen because that information would have been immediately rejected. Yeah. If that's really good. It had come out in that timing. Yeah. Well, even, you know, you think of uh, the story of Christ on the earth. He didn't he waited till he was way further into his ministry before he said the son of man's going to be killed, lifted up, crucified and raised on the third day. Even then they didn't get it. But what if he had said that in year 1, they would have all left. You know, there's something exactly. you just can't, oh, you can't handle oh, it. What's going on? Until yeah. it's time, it's a t right. time is everything. Well, let's talk about looking at. Let me hit a couple things while I have you here. Um, I had written down earlier. I've got different notes all over my page here, but in your notes uh, for me today, you you talked about hope and hope. Hope is really good. I don't have your terminology here, but I put down hope versus hopium. Okay, hope is good. And then people use that term opium as if in, as if it's opium, uh, taking an opiate with hope, and then they put that down. That's opium. I don't really like that term because I think anytime you got hope of any flavor, you're better off than not having hope. If they want to call that opium, I consider that more good than bad. But what are your thoughts about hope versus empty hope or something? Okay, let me let me define at least my take on how I think the hopium uh, moniker came out. Okay. Opium, yeah. false high, yeah. a false high of hope. Okay. Also expectations are the death of hope because rarely are expectations fulfilled in the way that you imagined or expected. So right. you end up with disappointment and you could end up even angry or frustrated or anything like that. Um, so when people are feeling that they want to give up, I want them to ask themselves a couple of questions. Why have I decided to think about things negatively? Hmm. Why have I maybe bought in to some people or an article or one you know poster or or whatever that is trying to make me think what i believed or what i wanted to be able to contribute before is wrong or we're not going to get there it's the people that say when are we going to get there we've been doing this for 7 years and i and i say no 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 their plot has been going on for centuries. Yeah. And anyone good. that thinks it was just because Trump was elected in 2016, it started then, even you can't go back centuries, go back to JFK. Because yeah, yeah. basically Trump is finishing the job of what JFK wanted to do. He recognized all of this. All of it. And earlier, Steve, you had said, you know, there are some people that say that 
he's not a uh, commander in chief and uh, there's not a constitution or uh, um so we know derek johnson and his yeah. information his documents these the documents.info yeah he has he has presented facts and there is i'm also aware of someone else who has been contradicting him and trying to negate what he's saying so one thing i did of we'll just say this one driving person who's trying to negate him is that i started to take some of the paragraphs of that 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 person wrote and i started to put it in to ai apps i think that what this person is doing is educating us factually but because a lot of it is being written via ai and not this person's voice yeah that this person is not also looking at life they're not mm. looking at the behaviors that created certain things or drove certain things or prevented certain things and so i think this is a really it's a nice example for me to make my point is that it's not to say that the information isn't necessarily factual but it's disconnected from real life which what derek has done is he has shown us how it is connected to real life okay and so this one person and and there are others that get that get on that bandwagon but there's one person who's really driving it and there is someone who works for space force out of colorado who actually contacted me wanting me to support that person and correct correct derek johnson and i i said what's going on and i spoke to him quite a few times and i realized he doesn't get what's real life it's like well these are the emergency procedures these are the way things happen but they're not looking at all the machinations that transpired to get us to that yeah. point and yeah. so that's why i say forget about the person but deal with the content that's a really good thing you said that and and people i want people to really get that because there are all these colorful you use that term not bad or weird colorful people who have different ways of expressing it they get on each other's cases but a lot of them maybe even most of them have good content and then they start picking on the other people cuz they don't like the way they came across and then you have people that steal each other's content as if as if you could do that i've seen that argument go someone else derek johnson came up with revealing all of the executive orders and then other people started using it from that point on and claiming it as their own well it's neither derek's nor their person but they probably should give derek you know some kudos for bringing it out um let me ask you something dr jan you uh you actually told me in your notes or that at least they typed this out for me you said ask me again if this is a movie right remember did you say it? okay did. so be, last time i said 
Are we, what do you say, Dr. Jan, about are we watching a movie? Certain people say we're watching a movie. Charlie says, Charlie Ward says, this pantomime, he keeps using that term. And they, what they, I think what they mean is everything's been done and now you're seeing a play reacted out before you uh, to, in order to communicate what we need you to understand, but it's already been done. Okay, so tell me what you want to respond to with all that. All right. This this issue has become even more important to me. Okay. And I because I have always taken the stand that it's not a movie, it's not a film, it's not a pantomime. A pantomime is I I, I live in the UK during Christmas season. Pantomimes are taking things of the most ridiculous, the most exaggerated, and also trying to make it funny as yeah. well. Yeah. And and so this is not a pantomime. Okay. Uh, in a film, if it were a film, uh, do we get to fast forward through the parts we don't like? Do we get to mm-hmm. rewind so that we can see it or understand it again? That's do good. we get to just skip over because we don't want to hear? Anything like that? But you did, you know, you did say that people are playing a part sometimes, right? That part's true. That that part is true. Okay. And and why I'm even Steve, why I'm even stronger about this now is that as I'm looking, one, are we living through a film? Or are we living through reality? That is pretty real to me. Through reality. Yeah. Is life like a pantomime for us? Absolutely not. No. But as I have started to delve in to not only the people spreading that concept and the length of time it's been coming out, one of the insidious and sneaky psych start of it is or goal or intention is for you to depersonalize what is going on around you oh, wow if yeah. you depersonalize yourself from reality guess what that can lead to you being even more doubtful of yourself or even yeah. mental Illness. Yeah, or you, you get cynical about nothing. If nothing's real, and yet my misery is real, then I don't know what else to do except might as well go eat worms, as the expression goes. You know. Instead, this is not a film. We are ge- being given a dose of reality. It will be great if someone makes a film of it for us to be able to reflect on it in years to come, maybe. Yeah. But we are living through people trying to make us think we're crazy, people taking our freedom away, unfair treatment of a variety of human beings. That is not a pantomime. That is not a film. But that is a way to push you away from seeing reality. And the more I've delved into that, I'm Steve, I've also had this low grade of anger that okay. they've been doing that yeah. because it messes people up. Yeah. 
Yeah, it kind of does. Well, uh, I mean, I'll, Derek Johnson, for instance, I love him. I had it on many times, but he'll say, he may not use that expression, but he'll say, he'll talk about something, he'll say that's optics, or someone will say that's optics. I'm assuming that even Trump, who's a brilliant 5D chess player, make sure things happen to as optics to let us know or to be, would you say any of that's going on? Absolutely. Because when he talks about optics, as I've spoken about optics, yeah, they accused him of walking in front of the queen, the queen, I say, the the libs talk about micro aggressions. How about micro (laughs) expressions? She flicked her hand. He took two steps. She purposely walked behind him before she went to. And that was them doing an optics for all of us. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then not too long after that, on July 3rd at Mount Rushmore, I've got our country back. There is another sign of it. So when Derek is talking about optics, he's talking about concrete things in the way certain messages are being sent. That is much different than saying, oh, there are people behind the scenes who are making this whole thing a film and making life hell for us and difficult. And the price of my goat cheese has gone from one pound to two pounds 40. But, you know, that's a pantomime. That's a no way. We are suffering. Yeah, and it's a real thing. We need to understand that. Can you then talk about, we probably, uh, we'll probably better get towards closing, but you had said, well, let's see if I can get back to this um, train of thought, if I can look at my notes here for a second. Um, yeah, this is the part I want to, because I don't know if we quite got this when we, we got away from it, but you talked about our ability to endure what's coming. What can you say about what's coming while at the same time, I know you and I both believe in hope. How do we have hope? And yet we need the reality that what's coming is not going to necessarily be a walk in the park, right? Right. Uh, one, one of the things that I actually wanted to close with today okay. is to say that um, I am working on a series, Your Mindset, You Don't Feel in Control, on Resilience and Dealing with Adversity. I am putting that together. And basically, this podcast with Steve is my being able to hit some of the bullet points. And I don't usually, well, I'm not comfortable retweeting my own stuff. Um, I'm willing to do it for other people. But I really want to ask people that what we were talking about today is really critical for getting all I care about is you have emotional equilibrium, emotional equilibrium, because sometimes we're going to be out of balance and sometimes we're going to be back in balance. And your goal is to be able to deal with the events that throw at you and the adversity so that you know you're resilient enough to be able to overcome those things. And that is what I really want for people. And also, when I write and when I use words, I am often going back to the thesaurus because I'm calling this my sanity series. When I looked up sanity, do you know one of the definitions 
is right mindfulness. In That's the good. dictionary, right mindfulness. And that that is what we as patriots have been struggling to hold on to amidst all the craziness that is getting thrown at us. So I would really hope that you would pass this podcast on to other good, people good. so that they can start realizing that right now, each individual and getting our internal house in order is the most important thing good. to deal with the rest of what is going to be thrown at us. So good, Dr. Jan. I appreciate that so much. This is very, very helpful. Um, you know, some things like this would be worth listening to a couple of times to to kind of see how these questions are fielded or answered or, or whatever. But uh, I can tell from the core of your being that you're concerned about the people. Um, you know, you're concerned about the Patriot communities primarily. Um, and of course, on a wider scope too, my concern, I would probably say I'm concerned mostly for the body of Christ, but those are like cross, there's a whole bunch of them that are both, in fact, the body of Christ are generally Patriots, if you can put it that way. Yes. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. And, and, and I'm always concerned about people either let their faith get wobbly or, question whether they even have faith or anything like that. And sometimes what I reiterate is that um, after after my son died very unexpectedly and people would say to me, oh, you're being so strong. I said, no, I have incredible faith in God. That's no matter good. how many times I am shouting at him, I am angry at him. Yeah. I don't understand. The bottom line is. God did the right thing for my son. And I know that from faith. And I also know is that this situation was created and I can either rise from the grief and be able to do something with that grief or I can end up wasting my life. And I chose reaching out to people. You did good too, Dr. Jan. I appreciate it so much. Well, I hope we have you on many more times and I appreciate it. And thanks for the encouragement as well. So uh, we've got, we've been putting your websites up. Is there uh Emily that what put her primary Substack? There you go. Dr. Yeah. Jan.substack.com. So you can get probably to almost anything from anywhere from that, I'm guessing. Yes. And then yeah. your, your Twitter, is it just at Dr. Jan? Uh, no, it's at biz underscore shrink. Okay. And my truth is real Dr. Jan. Okay. There's the truth one at real Dr. Jan. And then the other, the other one was under, say the, say the Twitter one again. Oh, there it is. At biz underscore shrink. Biz right. shrink. Right. Yeah. And, and really people right now, the most important thing is that we need to be centered inside ourselves. Good. Because and, and and I'm going to be writing about this and hopefully I'll be able to come back and talk about it more concretely. But it's really important that we get this message out right now because there are going to be external forces coming at us. And we need to have our sanity, our right mindfulness. That's good. Very, very good. All right, Dr. Jan, thank you. God bless you. I appreciate it so, so much. All right, everybody, we'll be back tomorrow at 11 o'clock Pacific with Donna Rigney, so don't miss that. 
Have a great day, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.